So there's a lot of reason why women fake orgasms. So the first reason, I'm just gonna list them all off and you can pick uh, any of them. Women could probably relate to this. First of all, I tell you it's really common that women fake it. Most women I've asked have faked an orgasm. All right, everyone, welcome to Heal Thyself. I love talking about sex. And some of our best shows are when we talk about sex. One, because it's taboo. But two, because it's taboo, there's depth to it. And because there's depth to it, it can have a really deep transformational effect on us, a benefit for us, if we allow ourselves to see what's in there. A lot of us carry shame. Now, if you think about sex talk, the OG of sex talk, when it comes to books, when it comes to podcasts, is Emily Morse. She's the creator of the Sex with Emily podcast, and it's one of the best sex podcasts you can have. It answers all the questions for men and women. But today, we're going to talk about some of the most powerful topics that are taboo, but I bet y'all want to know a little bit about. How does a man know if a woman fakes an orgasm? Why do women fake orgasms? We're learning about foreplay. We're learning about vibrators. We're learning about sexual shame from the emotional repression standpoint. We're talking about prostate stimulation for men, stored trauma, and how it impacts our relationship with sex. A lot of you are in a partnership don't even know that that's what's behind the disconnection in sex, being more mindful during sex, how alcohol affects sex. We talk about penis size, nipple stimulation, and why men sometimes can't even orgasm. I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, we go into the weeds and you're going to find out some very important information here. Things that can be transformational to your relationship with yourself sexually, relationship with others, and ultimately when you're in a partnership, relationship to each other. I can't wait for you to listen to this episode. Let's get right into it. All right, everyone, look, how often do you tune into Heal Thyself and we have a mind-blowing podcast around sex, right? And you know, I talk a lot about shame. I talk a lot about sexuality, really being authentic in your expression without any shame holding you back from expressing who you are sexually, sensually, men and women. And we need to come back to this, but guess what? I got one of the most pivotal experts in this, Dr. Emily Morse. You may know her from Sex with Emily. That's how I've known her. She got the podcast. She's created so much content around this, really empowering content for all of us to understand not only how to have a better sexual relationship with ourselves, but with each other. So now I got the juiciest questions around sex you will ever hear me ask, and probably on a podcast. Welcome to the show. So good to be here. Yeah, and we, we talk juicy. We talking juicy. Let's get into it. We, we before we even got on <laughs> on, on before we got on camera, I, I had the juicy. I put together top ten <laughs> juicy questions. I'm gonna really start did. with. I, I'm gonna start with some good ones. Uh, let's go. Okay. How do men know if a woman is faking an orgasm? That's what I want to know first and foremost. Are you prepared for the answer? Yes. <laughs> you won't know. Okay. There's like no way to tell if a woman is faking an orgasm, really. I could give you some signs. For example, the things to look for is her breath quickening. Are her cheeks flushed? You know, she's starting to get red in her chest. You know, is she a little bit, is she getting more, you know, lubricated? Although mm. lubrication, side note, is not always a sign of arousal. But really, there's not a great way to, to tell that a woman is faking it. Okay, so then that leads me to the bigger question. Why are women faking orgasms like that? What mm. What's not being met here? What's happening? Mm. So there's a lot of reason why women fake orgasms. So the first reason, I'm just going to list them all off and you can pick uh, any of them. Women could probably relate to this. First of all, I tell you it's really common that women fake it. Most women I've asked have faked an orgasm at some point in their life. Women are faking orgasms because, number one, they know they're not going to get there. They think, well, he's going to get there and I know what's not going to happen for me because, number two, there's an orgasm gap. Men orgasm typically between six to eight minutes. Women take about 20 to 40 minutes when they're with a partner. So right there, we're like, something's wrong with us. Is he going to wait? Men don't really understand that it takes women that long. Number three, the orgasm gap. To expand upon that, men orgasm um, in about... 100% of every sexual situation, maybe 90%. Women orgasm in about 50 to 60%, and it's usually not through penetration. Uh, okay, number four, I'm going to lose count. Okay, next is that women, um, that, that penetration is the main sex act. So usually we say sex, and we all assume penetration. 
And there's a lot of reasons why, religion, procreation, but only 20% of women are going to have an orgasm during penetrative sex. Mm. 80% of women will never have an orgasm during penetration. So that's another reason why they're faking it. They think that it's taking too long. They think that you're not really into it. They, Their partner's doing something that they just know isn't going to get them there. And um, yeah, that's those are some of the reasons just the... The main right top of the head. So mm-hmm. really important things to think about because really important. one thing that sticks out is hearing, okay, well, hold on, from penetrative sex, most of the orgasms are not coming from there. Yeah. So they're coming from oral sex? They're coming from clitoral stimulation. Clitoral stimulation. Oral sex and fingers okay. and a toy. Those are the three ways that women are going to orgasm is from your mouth, your fingers, or a toy. And it's not through penetrative sex. So we just don't even know that. I mean, the other reason we're not orgasming is there's no sex education around this. Right. So if we knew, I think that there's a lot of guys who are with women to be like, oh my God, like, let's figure this out. Right, so, right. So we just don't know. No a more intentional us. approach around it. Yes. Now, when what, during sex, is it, are women not reaching that climax because of the position is not favorable? Is it because it, they need clitoral stimulation yeah. during penetration? Is it possible to have an orgasm without yeah. clitoral stimulation during penetration? I'm asking these questions. These are because great questions. The, yeah. This is like, want to know. Okay, so first off, there's a few. Let's just talk about the anatomy right now. So the one thing is that there's one theory, one conclusive study that has shown that It's literally like how we are born, our anatomy. So that women who are born with their clitoris closer to their vaginal opening. So if it's about like an inch or less closer, the closer it is, it's just an easier way to say it, to their vaginal opening are more likely to orgasm through penetration. And that's just because when there's like a penis going inside, it's going to graze the clitoris Mm -hmm. and be able to pull those nerve endings inside. And so they're more likely to orgasm that way. So that's, that's just one thing that, you know, and then yes, we need more clitoral stimulation and we need more arousal. So our, our arousal runway is a lot longer than men. So when we talk about arousal, so men are typically going to have something called spontaneous arousal, meaning you see your partner, you're turned on. It's external. You have an erection and you're ready to go. Your blood's pumping. You're feeling it. You're like, I'm so ready. Let me penetrate something. Women are like, I didn't even see you walk in the door yet. I didn't know anything's happening. I'm not even in the mood for sex yet. And so we have something called, so that's more spontaneous arousal. Women have more responsive we're going to respond to something in the environment. Maybe it's a little bit of dirty talk. Maybe it's kissing, making out. Maybe it's the fact that you asked about my day and we had this really great conversation. And then I'm starting to feel more connected to you, more turned on. So it's like, there's a lot of different factors that have to happen before just talking about the physical. Yeah, we need some like touching, making out, you know, slowly undressing us, touching us all over our body, foreplay. You know, I always say like foreplay isn't just this light suggestion, like, oh, women, there they go with their foreplay thing. It's not just a suggestion. It's actually a requirement. Let's talk about our next partner. It's AG1. AG1 is a daily foundational nutritional supplement that supports your whole body. It works through a science-driven formula of vitamins, probiotics, whole food sourced nutrients, and AG1 delivers comprehensive support for the brain, gut, and immune system. I hate taking millions of supplements. This is one of my biggest pet peeves. I don't like swallowing pills. What I do love about AG1 is that it covers all the nutritional bases in one delicious scoop. Since I've been drinking AG1 for about a year and a half now, I feel better overall, better energy. I know that I can get my nutrition in, a lot of the really essential nutrients, vitamins, minerals, antioxidants in during breakfast or lunch when I'm on the go. So if you want to take ownership of your health, it starts with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com slash heal thyself. That's drinkag1.com slash heal thyself to check it out. For many years now, I've been talking about sleep and how it is of the utmost importance when it comes to foundational success for your overall health. But it's so important because you want to get a quality bed as well. 
and it all starts there. Birch makes mattresses that are crafted with organic and natural materials that have been sustainably sourced. Their mattresses are free from the nasty polyurethane foams, which contain fiberglass, which you are breathing in for the life of the bed. It is the off-gassing chemicals that you really want to watch out for in conventional beds. Not all beds are created equal. A lot of these beds are not going to have the standardization of the Green Guard Gold certified emblem. This emblem is important because it's showing us that it's testing for and has negated all of these off-gassing chemicals that can affect your nervous system, your immune system, your overall hormones, and just your sleep. I've had my Birch mattress now for three years. It is an incredible mattress. It's breathable, it's comfortable, it's mildew resistant, and it's got none of the nasty chemicals that I have to worry about when I sleep. I'm sleeping really well, and my Birch is one of my favorite pieces of anything in my home. I'm so proud of it. So with your Birch mattress, you get a 100 night sleep trial and a 25 year warranty. The best part about all this, the bed delivers right to your door for you in the United States. And they also offer in-home setup and removal to make your buying experience as convenient as possible. I love my Birch mattress. I do think you will too. If you're looking for a new bed, look no further than Birch Living. It is the number one Dr. G approved bed across the board by far. Visit birchliving.com slash heal thyself, get 20% off of Birch mattress plus two free eco rest pillows. Let's think on average for men. When we're turned on, is there an average time between turn on and penetration that we're seeing okay, for men? Okay, so I love that you're asking this because the problem is the other reason we're not orgasming and having pleasure is because we're not ready to be penetrated when men are. So we want to wait for, if penetration, and I'm not saying like we should never have penetration. Penetration can feel amazing, but we often skip the arousal part. So we're going right into penetration and women aren't warmed up. We're not ready. We're not turned on. We're not aroused. We're not, because what happens if you think about the anatomy, like we need to be, you know, when we get aroused, the blood starts to become more engorged and we swell like our clitoris, our vulva, we start to like open up and then we can be more receive, we can receive. But when we're just like being penetrated right away, it doesn't, it can be painful. It doesn't feel good. And I hear from women all the time, they're like, I actually don't feel anything. So that's why a lot of the magic is happening externally. Like we have to start to rub the inner thighs, like tease the inner thighs, the labia, the clitoris, like bring them, you know, into the arousal. And then, you know, you can start to penetrate with your fingers or your mouth or your penis. You know, there's different ways to penetrate, but just that rushing. And that's how we, and listen, the reason we see most sex happening that way. If you think of like the media you grew up on, the movies you watch, it's always couple makes out, they fall into the bed, he penetrates, they like come together and it's over. Like that's just not real life. Mm. And I think a lot of people viewing and listening are going to attest to that. They're going to be like, no, it's not actually. So so 20 20 minutes, let's say, for all the men listening, hey, fellas, 20 minutes. You got a lot, 20 minutes before you're even jumping in, Mm -hmm. right? 20 minutes. To warm it up. At least. Maybe get a little more Essential, right? Mm-hmm. You, you said like rubbing the thighs, massages, connecting. Yeah. Even teasing over the clothes, teasing. you know? And, and and you were saying that even something like uh, connecting a conversation, asking about the day, maybe something that, maybe a little dirty talk in the mall mm-hmm. or in the, in the supermarket, right? Like those things, that counts as foreplay. Foreplay all day. I always say like foreplay starts after the last orgasm. Wow. And let me just preface this. Like you're going to hear from a lot of people will be commenting saying like, no, I come in three minutes or that's yeah. not true or just penetrate me. Of course, I'm just talking over 20 years of doing this. This is the majority that I hear from. So let me just, just say that. But yeah, we're going to need... Um, So understanding your desire style, and I have something on my website. So sexwithemily.com is where my podcast, you know, you can find that, Mm -hmm. but I have tons of articles and research that just shows this. And there's something called your desire style. And I have a post about this. I think we do have a quiz around it. Understanding like what, I just have tools that help people figure out what does get me aroused and turned on. We don't really think about it. So to think like it could be a conversation. It might be an activity is another way. Like I love my partner and I go for a walk together. We work out because of the adrenaline's going and there's like dopamine. And so that's going to turn me on. It's, you know, maybe the environment. It's, um, you know, the house has to be organized and cleaned. Mm. And, you know, if it's really disordered, like I'm definitely not going to be aroused. So just like understanding what needs to happen in order for you to be ready for sex. And so I kind of, I love having people reverse engineer it and say like, I want sex to happen. So what are all the things that need to happen for me to be turned on? And and again, the, the reason why this information is so important and why I love these questions you're asking me is because most of the world believes that sex just magically happens. We don't really understand it. We're gonna close our eyes, hope for the best, 
And that's just not realistic. That's not how sex happens. Anything that we care about, that we prioritize, it's important to us, takes a little bit of effort and work and understanding. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. these are all such important things to understand. uh, Yeah, and and and. I urge all the couples to sit down and listen to this and really lean into right. what what does foreplay look like for you? And you said something so important. Are you sensitive to the environment? It's a big one. Right? Like, yeah. I like Himalayan salt lamps and I like <laughs> like cozy, sensual vibes, right? That for me makes me feel sexy in myself. Like, mm-hmm. oh yeah, I'm ready, you know? But some people don't mind like, that the laundry basket is right there and they can just be <laughs> spontaneous on some level, right? Um, so so take take account, like what, how do you feel? Because environment plays a role, especially a in the sensuality part. pieces. So, so for many people, you know, I, I think it's important to look at like you should, you know, candles and environment, having the music play, the, it's a sensory experience. Yeah. So the environment is a huge part of it. Like I think when also people are thinking, I'm not really in the mood. If you think of your senses and you bring them on board during sex, what do I need to be smelling? What do I need to be tasting? Like, what should be in the environment? That's why I'm like, have, you know, a flavored lubricant. If you're using lube, have a candle. I have this massage candle that I always light that smells incredible. It smells like vanilla, but then it's like this warm oil you can pour over your partner. Have really soft, sensual sheets. Yeah. You know, just, just the environment is a huge part of it. Because I know for me, like, I had to realize if it's cold, like... The environment. If I walk into a house or my boyfriend's house and it's freezing, it's like I, I'm just my body literally shuts down. Yeah. And now he knows he would like start to turn. Now then I'd go over there. He's like got the fireplace going, the things because he knows <laughs> now. He's like I heard you like note taken, and I know when I come home and the heat's on now. It's like okay, you know, because I I just so yes, our environment. We have to pay attention to those things, and you know, like in, or some people they're like my my partner cleaned the house and emptied the dishwasher, and then I was really turned on. So it's like uh-huh. do stuff around the house, but also make sure that you're in environment or if they, they hear the kids or they hear their roommates, you know, you just have to know like what, what's going to be right for me so I can make sure like what can I hack in my environment so I'm ready to go. Yeah, environment plays a Huge major, factor. major role. We, I mean, you, you said actually something very important when you were talking about, um, you talked about lubricants and then, and then vibrators, sex toys. Mm-hmm. Now, this leads me to a very important question that, that's been actually on my mind. Can using or the overuse, if that's even a thing, of a sex toy vibrator take away from the ability to orgasm with your partner? It's a great question. And, you know, vibrators and sex toys have come a long way in recent years. And so let's just talk about this in general. Vibrators are a wonderful way for people to orgasm and men. They feel amazing on men too, let me just say that. And they also get a bad rap because people think, well, if you use a toy, then often men feel that it's sort of a replacement or it means they're not doing something right or it doesn't really count. But we've already talked about how hard it is for, how it's more of a challenge for women to get aroused and be in their bodies. That And we're covered in nerve endings, right? Especially feel-good nerve endings. And so the clitoris, the female anatomy, the clitoris, for example, has 12,000 nerve endings. A circumcised penis has 4,000 nerve endings. And it's really hard to access all of those nerve endings just with a penis or a mouth or fingers. So using a toy, you can stimulate areas that you never even knew existed. Like we're constantly also waking up all of these nerve endings inside of us because the clitoris has legs that extend deep inside. And so, yeah, I mean, a vibrator is an enhancement. And a vibrator is something that is additive. It doesn't like necessarily take away. Now, we also have nerve endings that we have like neural pathways that are used to orgasming in a certain way. So if you're always like grinding a clitoris, like on your clitoris a toy, and like that's the only way you orgasm, you know, first of all, nothing wrong with that. But if you'd like to learn other paths and other ways, then maybe you know, play with using your fingers or your partner's mouth or use them together and don't only rely mm. on the vibrator. Um, but you don't, you can't kill nerve endings. You don't become dull. You don't, you, you know, I guess you don't break. There's nothing about it that's going to, yeah. you're not going to break anything. Yeah. You're not going to like, it takes a lot to like kill nerve endings. So yeah. it's just more about behavioral patterns mm. in our body or neural pathways really that get set. You're thinking, I need this vibrator orgasm, but it's really not harmful and going to prevent you from having an orgasm mm. another way. It sounds like to me that the vibrator can actually be a learning tool of understanding like, hey, this is actually how I like stimulation, where yeah. I like stimulation. Oh, I haven't explored this angle mm-hmm. or this place or this sensation. Oh, I like this. And then communicating that with your partner. Maybe it's the partner and you. Maybe the partner's got the 
tag team with the vibrator, you know what I mean? And, and then you're both using both, you know? Yeah, That's, it's, it's an a, additive. It's, it's an really, additive. Yeah, it adds to it. It's an it's enhancement. And also it enhances intimacy. Because right. once you get rid of all the shame, I mean, honestly, a lot of the challenges that people have around sex are not what you think. It doesn't have to do with your body or the size of anything. It's literally shame. And in my book, that I just have a book that came out that was called Smart Sex. And it's really about, the first thing it starts with these pleasure thieves. Stress, trauma, and shame is keeping us from, from having better sex. So if you've got shame around it and you think, oh, it means that I'm broken or something's wrong with me. But once we like get rid of all of that stuff, it's actually additive. You're like, how fun. It's like having a threesome. You're bringing in a third element that's right. like exciting and spontaneous. And let me tell you this, that if I've ever had a partner, like my, I've had partners who are like, oh, you know, toys. And then I take that toy and I show them that a lot of toys, first of all, I think men think they're like shaped like a big penis and it's going to be <laughs> threatening. They're like, oh God, I don't want to see that thing. And most of them like fit in the palm of your hand. Uh -huh. They're like the size of an egg and they happen to vibrate. So if I take that first and I'm like, feel this and I rub it on my partner's body, I'll put it on his shaft, like rub it. They're like, whoa, that feels like so good. They're like, bring that thing along. So it's more about just trying it with your partner partner and seeing and then we like can share the toy and it feels great it's like another element hold on you said share the toy let's let's go back on that <laughs> one right now because this is going to bring me something that we talked about before we got on air prostate stimulation in men yes it, oh. it, is this is uncharted territory not a lot of people are talking about it but is prostate stimulation for men something that is incredible yeah i mean yes i would say yes i don't have a prostate but if i did um, I would be stimulating it all day, every day. <laughs> it's almost like the male G-spot. So it's in our anus. Women's anal sex can feel great on women too. But for men, you have a prostate, which we liken it to the, the G-spot in a woman. It's internal. It's about like two to three inches inside. And it's sort of like using like a come here motion towards your belly button. You can locate this, this spot. And when penetrated with a finger, a lot of times for women, if they're with a man, it can be harder to, our fingers might not be like long enough or stimulated enough, but these prostate toys that are incredible. And I have a new store on my site. If you go to sexwithemily.com, you click on shop. And I picked out like my favorite prostate toys. Play with those. Some vibrate, some don't. And men can have like the most incredible release, so I'm told. And I've witnessed, but I don't have one. So, you know, but yes, it's another thing. But men have, again, shame around it. It makes me gay. Like all these crazy, like, you know, you just have this incredible body part that really just means that when you touch it, you might have an explosive orgasm. Okay, so so are we talking about just prostate stimulation equaling orgasm ejaculation or is there also uh, stimulation of the penis? So men can have a orgasm just with prostate stimulation without even touching the penis. Whoa. Yeah, so it's like a hands-free orgasm. Um, it also can feel great to do both, to be stimulating the prostate and the penis at the same time. So it's like another layer of that. But yeah, they can have a orgasm without ejaculation. So, but again, every man's different, but they get to play around with it. And again, the cool thing that I love about what I do is that sex is so expansive. There's, most of us haven't even like scraped the surface of what's possible for our bodies and our orgasms. And there's just so many places to explore. Yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, you get to play around with it. And men who really are like, I'm gonna get into this prostate thing can report that their orgasm just continue to unfold and these layers mm. of pleasure and arousal are just, you know, next level. And shout out to all the men still listening after that one <laughs> and, and actually leaning into this curiosity. Lean in. um, and, and I remember this, it was an older man, he was in his 70s. And we were talking and he said, I can't believe I went all my life without having prostate stimulation. He goes, because in my 70s, when he finally did, it changed his life. He's like, that was the most incredible pleasure that I didn't even think I can even reach. So that was just so beautiful to hear. And he was kind of emotional because he's like, I went all of my life mm -hmm. not knowing what tr like really intense, beautiful pleasure was. Yeah. Um, so so <laughs> lean into the prostate. Yeah. Go on the website. You got you got, I got a lot. I got toys. I've got articles. I got. I mean, I've done so many podcasts about it too because I've been a fan of it. But you know what's really cool um, is that I think in the last few years I hear from more and more 
straight men who are actually looking to explore on their own without their partners talking about it and they're understanding. It's gotten a little bit more better PR lately. Yeah. They're kind of like, okay, that's cool. I'm ready. I'm ready to check it out. But it's a shame that men have been missing for so long. You know, I try it during masturbation too. I always tell guys like, if you're not sure, like you can try it on yourself yeah, and see, yeah, yeah. you know, explore. I think that we hold a lot of I really think we hold a lot of trauma around mm. the anus, Damn. right? Um, and, and it's hard for men to uh, just relax and open up. That's it. You know? It's true. We just have a lot of trauma in there. Big time. I've heard from a lot of men. We all, God, we just, as you know, store so much trauma in our bodies, which is also keeping us from having pleasure. So the more like trauma work we can do in our bodies or with a healer um, will really help us kind of uh, start to move our energy, our sexual energy through our bodies more efficiently. So that, that brings me to this question then, because you mentioned stress and shame. What are we as men and women and couples most ashamed about with sex? Like if you say that's one of the big things mm. that's holding us back from having great sex, what is it we're so ashamed about? A lot of layers to the shame. So one of the most common layers of shame comes from our upbringing. Perhaps we grew up in like a religious environment and we were told that sex was sinful. It was wrong to have sex outside of marriage or there was all these like rules around sex, right? So um, we that's a huge one. Like we, even if we grew up in an environment that told us that and we're older now, we leave home at 18, we still hear those messages become indoctrinated into this belief. So sometimes we have to just challenge the belief that we are, you know, sex, um, you know, pleasure is our birthright. We deserve sexuality. I mean, I talk a lot about to feel good, um, but it could be that. So the first thing is shame, just growing up feeling like, you know, a lot of women grew up in environments where they felt like if I um, make a move sexually or I show that I'm aroused, I'm going to be labeled as like a slut. Yeah. Or, you know, I mean, some of these stuff is changing, but again, the first the more, one of the most shameful things I think is religion and culture. Another thing is just our bodies. Like if we don't feel good in our bodies and we don't feel, you know, this is the thing we have to realize that if we're walking around all day and we're like, I hate my body, I don't like my thighs, my penises, you know, I don't like my penis, it's too small. All the things that we worry about. And then we wonder why when we get into the bedroom, we're not having satisfying, connected, pleasurable sex because we're in our head all day long. If you're giving yourself negative messages, you think you're gonna get in the bedroom and be able to be like, naked and comfortable and right, free. So right. that's a big one too, shame around our bodies. We have shame around our experience sexually. Like maybe we think, oh, my partner's had more experience than I have, or I haven't had enough. I would say those are the main key shame factors that's keeping us from, from having great sex. I tuned into myself years ago and all of those were true. Really? You know, it, yeah. there was absolutely a religion piece. Uh-huh. Uh, even though like it wasn't so put on me, there was still like, Sex, shame, sex. So prevalent. Pre, pre-marital religion. It, that was real. Like we're talking about, like yeah. I, I call it like, a, when I work with my clients, I call it a religious shame trauma. It's in itself it? a shame trauma. It is. That needs to be unraveled. And people often find like this liberation of empowerment. Like, oh wait, I can be a sexual being? Yeah. That's okay. It's okay. I'm not going to hell. Proverbially, like, 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 hey, no, you like, you've been in hell. Like, that is your own hell. That, that is created. hell, exactly. It's such a beautiful liberation to come back to that. Like, I, I'm very passionate about shame and sex and sexuality because of my own story, but also what I've seen in people. Uh-huh. I find to this to be the deepest rooted repressed emotion, beyond anger, beyond sadness, beyond fear. Really, even guilt. This sexual shame. This is why, I, I, like, this is at the perfect time. You. This podcast. Wow. It's really, really, what do you, really powerful. How do powerful. you work with people on releasing it? That, that, well, I do the release exercise that I do mm -hmm. of bringing people. But the thing is, it takes a while oh, because yeah. there's layers, right? So, many layers. so oftentimes, the last layer that I see, or like the deepest layer, is that, I, that I've seen so many people that mm. I've seen this as the pattern. For me, what's helped me is actually tantra. Mm. And and really feeling uncomfortable, looking at my partner in the eyes, breathing with them, feeling so close. I remember when I started like doing tantra, I would sweat. Mm -hmm. Like my whole body would be like, "You're not safe." Like you're ah. in sympathetic mode, and this is any closer, any more intimacy, and you're gonna die. Uh -huh. Like literally, that's the no. signal in my body. Uh. So my palms were sweating. I would be sweating from my head and like I'd be having to like connect with this person and breathe and move our bodies and mm. we're naked. And I'm like, I don't like this. I don't like this. And it took like five, six, like really deep connected sessions for me to start mm. feeling in. And ultimately what I found as a man is I was completely 
not receiving, completely not connected to pleasure. Mm. And I remember when I was getting this beautiful massage, I was still contracted and I told myself, I deserve pleasure. Uh. I deserve to feel pleasure. I deserve pleasure. <laughs> I deserve pleasure. And my body started opening because wow. all my life I went through like having to take care of everyone around oh, me yeah. that it's like, are you okay? Finally, I can receive like mm. pleasure or, or have my piece of the scraps, right? Mm. Like, and that was the story. I totally get it. So a lot of us suffer with that shame of like, especially as men, we, we're having to show up and like pleasure the woman. And like, if oh we don't, God. then our sense of self is, okay, but we can, we deserve pleasure you too. deserve it too. So that was, that was like- that. Thank you for sharing that. And that is the work. Like to me, Tantra, Tantra, which I think is really overwhelming to people. But when you think about it, it's, it's eye contact and breathing yeah. and movement and consciousness and intentionality. That if people can practice that and release stuff, it's going to take a beat. It's not a quick fix. Yeah. People want a quick fix with sex, but yeah, you're such a testament to that. You know, thank yeah. you for sharing that. And also going back to that is that I have so much compassion for men when it comes to sex because I know we tired to talk about all the things that women aren't getting, but men have so much pressure. I gotta be hard, show up, right. know what to do, know how to penetrate. Know the. It's like. We all have this heady stew around sex, which is why we're, we all leave our bodies during sex. Yes. We literally disassociate and we can't be present. And and if we want to go jump to solutions, I honestly think that a mindful presence with your partner is the way to go to quiet the thoughts, connect, mm -hmm. stare into each other's eyes. Like even if you just breathe together, like for 10 deep breaths and you look at each other and you yeah. like get into your body, your sex is going to be like, just, you'll be so much more present and aware and focused. Like that's yeah. just, a, yeah, present with your partner. Presence. I think that's, I really think that could heal so many people. I know it would heal people, 100%. but it's uncomfortable. Even you're saying like, it's uncomfortable. Yeah, it yeah. Is. I mean, most of my experiences have been with alcohol. Like, cause I was totally numbed and <sighs> it would, I would completely dissociate. And I'm like, this is what I'm supposed to do as a young guy. But um, when I stopped and I dedicated myself to stop drinking alcohol and, and it was so uncomfortable cause I'm like, wait, we have to be intimate. Like this is really, really not feeling good. So anyone out there think about like, do you pull away from your body because the intimacy is like really intense? Mm -hmm. It's because what's more intimate than literally being naked? <laughs> it's literally the, the most intimate. Yeah, right face to face with someone that like you seemingly love. Like mm -hmm. this is this is a lot. But it's yeah. so true that alcohol, drugs, fantasy—that's how we disassociate. And so a lot of people I know who have stop drinking. It's really hard those first times you have sex because you're like, I was using, that's why I started drinking when I was 16 or 15. So I could be intimate or connected to somebody and, you know, attracted to somebody or just, you know, make the move or whatever it is. So that's a whole journey as well. But as you could probably attest to, sex is so much even more satisfying without alcohol. It could be so much more everything. Yeah, we need a body depth. practice. We need we a body, need whatever body it is. Practice. Like you said, eye contact, breathing. Everybody needs a body practice. Even you guys could dance together. Even you guys could, whatever, as long as you're in your body. For me, in my experience, and I know it helps other people, and I know you've seen this, mm -hmm. Connecting to the body. Connected to the body. It's a mind-body connection. 100%. Most people are mind. So going back to the penetration thing, we don't, we're not even present yet in our body. And then someone's penetrating us. I mean, that's literally what happens. You're like, I didn't even settle in, but maybe if they breathe together or they touch each other and they made eye contact, then the penetration would happen in, in the right time and space. You right. would know. You would know when you're right, into your body. Right. You know what to do. The body wisdom. Element is a tasty electrolyte drink with everything you need. It's got none of the crap in there and all the good stuff. It contains a science-backed electrolyte ratio of 1,000 milligrams of sodium, 200 milligrams of potassium, and 60 milligrams of magnesium. No sugar, no artificial colorings, no artificial ingredients, gluten, or fillers. Now, Element is formulated to help anyone, whatever lifestyle you have for your electrolyte needs. It's super important to replenish electrolytes, whether you're working out, whether you just came out of a sauna, whether you just were in an athletic competition, even if you're playing with your kids or you're just waking up, you need to replenish electrolytes. They are essential for human physiology. Element can help prevent headaches, muscle cramps, fatigue, sleeplessness, and other common symptoms of that electrolyte deficiency. I personally have felt better since using Element. I began using it years ago when I was doing the sauna and still not feeling fully replenished. It is one of the only things that helped me come back to normal after sweating so much. So right now, Element is offering you, the Heal Thyself listener, a free sample pack with any purchase. It's eight single serving packets free with any Element order. This is a great way to try all eight flavors and see which one you like. 
and then share the other ones. Get yours at drinkelement.com slash Dr. G. The deal is only available through my link. That's D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T dot com slash D-R-G. Element offers no question asked refunds. It's totally risk-free. If you don't like it, they're going to give you your money back. No questions asked. You got nothing to lose. I know you get this question a lot now. A lot of men, uh, you mentioned one thing, penis size. A lot of men go, wait a minute, I'm less than because Mm -hmm. I watch this porn and there's just giant penises left and right. Uh, I'm going to ask the most classical question. (laughs) Does it matter? I I have found in my my work um, of almost 20 years speaking to millions of people, really, like on my podcast, wherever, in life, Mm -hmm. call into the show, that it does not matter as much as men, men are the ones that are more obsessed with their penis size than right. women. Now, again, you're going to get a lot of, co- oh, size queen. I only want, great. There are people out there who are size right. queens and they want that. <laughs> then then great. And they're going to find their people. But the majority of women who are with men, or men with men even, are just like, I want someone who feel where it feels good, where we feel connected. And if you're a woman, we already talked about the fact that most of your pleasure isn't going to come from penetration anyway. So sex is, and one of my missions is to take the focus off penetration and make sex like sex doesn't, it could mean kissing, touching, foreplay, tantra, you know, nipple gasms, corgasms, like t- uh, prostate play. Like there's just so many other ways to have pleasure. And once we, it's sort of such a relief to people too, especially to men when I like share this, it's like, how are you as a lover? Is, is, is literally your penis is just like maybe one factor um, but, you know, it takes a while to convince men of this. Of, but of course. It's a great question. Yeah, we're like just giant gorillas, like trying to be yeah. like competitive with each other. It's right. kind of crazy. And everything's told you in society that it matters. Like men are, their yeah. penis size, like their ego, like their their manhood Sense of is self, linked yeah. to their penis often. Wait, 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 wait. You said nippleasm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wait, we can have orgasms for nipples. Yeah. Men and women or just women? You know what? I've, I've tried to re- research this around men. I haven't heard many men can, but women can. I haven't heard that many men are able to, um, but women can. It's just a learned practice. Sex is a skill set. I want everyone to know that like sex is a skill set. Most of us don't ever learn anything about sex. If we do, it's through porn, which is misinformation. But yeah, women can learn too. There's the nerve endings in our clitoris and our nipples are attached to the same regions in our brain. So they send signals. So it would make sense then that if you stimulate the nipples, you know, slowly kiss them, rub them, just kind of build up that sensation. Yes, there's uh, many women who can have pleasure that way, have orgasms that way. Wow. I always wondered what the other reason for nipples were other than lactation. (laughs) (laughs) And And we can use it for pleasure, you mean? Yes. We can use much of our body for pleasure. I love that. Yeah. I, yeah isn't that beautiful? Like you can beautiful. Feel, you can feel pleasure with your eyes closed and just dancing. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, wait a minute. Like we have a tool that can completely accept and receive all the pleasure, all the yeah. bliss, you know? We do. It, did you know, did you see the picture of Burning Man, the giant clitoris? I did. People said it I to took, me. Yeah, okay. I took a big picture of it. Like, you did? yeah, it was so, I was like riding past. I go, is that a clit? <laughs> I said, Err. I made a U-turn. I went right to it, and I was like, "Oh my god!" And they had like little blurbs about how much, how little we know, and how little we um, prioritize this understanding. And I was like, "This is so cool." Yeah, I love that. I did see everyone, a bunch of people sent it to me. You know the 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 pictures that. And here's the thing about the clitoris is that believe that believe it or not, the clitoris wasn't even medical journals or documented until 1998. 1998. 98. So like in in, in our lifetimes, we didn't really know the clitoris. We didn't study it. We still haven't studied female sexuality like we need to. Most medications, like everything is just studied on men. We thought that women were too inconsistent with our hormones. We're like, we'll just study men. So now we, and even while I was just writing my book last year, I was writing Smart Sex. And for for the first 17 years of this career, if people asked me something, I'd say, okay, it's the clitoris is 8,000 nerve endings. And the only reason it exists, it's the only body part that exists for pleasure. And then I explain it. We found out 
just a year and a half ago that the clitoris actually has 12,000 nerve endings. Mm. We just discovered more because we actually started to study the clitoris. Yeah. So I wonder if there's incredible. even more before there, as we study that more, right? All of a sudden it's connected to other parts of the body. And we're like, wow, it's the most amazing thing in the world. This is the beautiful thing about human sexuality is that we still, I mean, I'm just giving people information, but we're still studying. We get to learn too from our own bodies. There's so much more to learn. Isn't it crazy? Wait, hold on. You said there's so much more to learn. It's fundamental to the human experience. Yeah. Procreation, pleasure, Couples do it. Most couples, maybe in the beginning, and then if I don't know, but like <laughs> That's a, it's yeah. so fundamental to being a human being. And you're telling me that we don't understand. We know about digestive health pretty well. Mm-hmm. How do we not know about sexual health? Yeah, because it, of repression and shame. Exactly. That's that's, that's, that's what I was literally trying to it. Yeah, that's shame. what I was gonna. We're we're even ashamed to 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 research the stuff that is fundamental to us. Exactly. Crazy. Now now <laughs> a lot of couple, and this is this is as I'm getting older, I'm hearing this from friends. I have a problem getting it up, man. I need to take Viagra or Cialis now. And they're in, how old are they? I'm, I'm almost 40, right? Okay. So like, this is like under under 40, this yeah. is happening. What What is happening? Is, is this, I mean, from the medical standpoint, I think about blood blood flow and things like that. Mm-hmm. But like outside of that, is it a psychological thing? Is it the, 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 the influence of porn and thinking we need to, what's happening that men can't get it up? God, there are so many different reasons why men can't orgasm. So that's why I also came up with this. um, When I was writing this book is Sex IQ. Like there's five pillars of sexual intelligence because if anyone comes, so if if, if there's five men who are like, I can't get it up, there'd be so many different reasons why. Like there's just, so so yeah, one could be um, blood flow. If you're not in shape, you're not moving your body, you don't exercise, like you might literally have a blood flow problem, right? You're not going to get, like it's all vascular, right? Getting getting erection. So that's one thing. The other thing is like, yeah, it could be the food you eat, so nutrition, that's the health component. The other thing could be um, testosterone levels are declining in men. I think men who were born in the, I can't remember if it was like the 80, I think it was since like 1992 maybe, now that I'm thinking about it, like the testosterone levels of men have gone down. They're not sure if it's environmental factors or what that is. So that could be something, it could be psychological. I mean, since when I first started studying, it was like, it was mostly a more of a psychological thing um, for many men, because if you are worried about your erection and you're thinking about your erection, well then guess what's gonna happen? You might like lose your erection. Um, It could be because of porn too. You know, there's so many um, of us who've grown up on porn and it's all that we see. So every time, we watch porn to get that same arousal and that same like titillation we have to keep escalating the levels or the intensity of the porn we watch so now we're just watching you know regular porn and then we're watching like gang bangs and all these things that are like you know whatever your choose your intensity whatever that might mean to you and then you're with an actual human being in front of you and it's just not as exciting so then you lose your erection because you also have developed new pathways around orgasm and erection happening with a external stimulant and not a human being. So like, there are so many reasons why um, it could be like, we're not getting the kind of stimulation. Going back to porn, if you're used to holding your penis in a certain way, like maybe you masturbate with a certain grip. We call it like the, this like death grip, if you will. Oh, yeah. If men are, and then there's someone else and it just doesn't feel that way. It's hard to, yeah, get aroused that way as well. Because again, the pathways are set to that kind of, pleasure, that kind of orgasm. Is it true, and talk about the masturbation then, is it true that um, masturbation can actually change the brain for men? Uh, I know that I've had some of my friends be like, if I stop masturbating, I am so much more connected to my partner and have so much more sex. Yes, I've heard this too. There's a lot of studies about um, men delaying ejaculation or not ejaculating, just having sex, but not allowing themselves to ejaculate. So semen retention. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like a Taoist practice too. It's been around since, you know, for, since the beginning of time, right? So for a very long time, how men would, I think that I was reading about like this, you know, practice. I think it was like a Taoist king or something who was saying that he didn't want to give his sperm to his like mistresses, because he wanted to protect it for something, whatever. There's like so many different theories about it. I don't actually, Mm -hmm. but for men who don't ejaculate and who do, you know, there's also studies that say that men over like 30 should start to um, decrease their ejaculation, like just down to like once a week or once a month as you get older. Now, so men who do say if they don't ejaculate in other ways, that's a little bit different than just watching porn. But in general, if you just decrease the amount of times you ejaculate, that it's sort of, it's a life force, right? It's a chi, it's a life force in men. And so what if they just save that for, you know, 
they extend the life of their ejaculation, then they're more likely to feel more focused, more present, yeah. more productive. Um, so yeah, there's been a lot of, you know, men, I don't know how many like conclusive studies have been done on it, but that's definitely in the more anecdotally, men have found a lot of great mm-hmm. benefit for ejaculating less. And men, it is a practice, can learn to orgasm without ejaculation. And that's more of like the full body orgasm. Mm-hmm. And again, that's a, pr- a mindful practice that can take some time for men to learn, but it's definitely achievable. So, yeah, there's something to be said for that. But now, women, on the other hand, so men, it's better to, to you know, it depends on who you talk to, you believe it. Back up, though, there are some people who think that for prostate health, it's important for men to continue to ejaculate. Right. So there's different schools of thought, but I would just have men, you know, try it out and see what feels good. But for women, if you look at those same practices, women can have multiple orgasms. Women can have a lot of pleasure. Right. Like, there's no such thing as women having too much pleasure and too many orgasms, so... Yeah, you're losing yeah. the life force, right? Like, <laughs> We're not. Men right. are it's losing, just, like, literally. Exactly. Well, yeah. uh, I, I find from people around me saying, you know, actually retaining semen or reducing masturbation, their focus is better, their energy is better. Again, this is anecdotal. We yeah. haven't seen it. Focus is better, energy is better, connection to their partner is better. They're more motivated, even if they're single, to, like, be in a partnership or find a partner or a companion or something. Um, my experience, all of the above. A hundred percent, much okay. more vital. It's it's much more vital. It is. It's your vitality. Yeah. It's. I feel mm-hmm. like alive and more healthy, and the glow is there. Mm-hmm. Every, my hair seems thicker. <laughs> I'm like, what is happening? I'm like, let's keep that vital force in there. Yeah. But you mentioned something about whole body orgasms. Mm-hmm. Men can achieve whole body orgasms. Mm-hmm. Um. So the, they've reported that when they don't ejaculate, but the practice of, you know, um. It could be more of a tantric practice mm-hmm. or just the practice of having an orgasm that is, you know, even if it's hands-free, just the process of, you know, being in an arousal and allowing you, it's like an energetic orgasm. Mm-hmm. So even picturing the practice of like allowing it to, the orgasm to move up through your body and picturing it going up through your back, up through your spine, over your yeah. head. Have you done any of these practices? 100%. Yeah, so up the, over your practice and practicing it over time that you can start to feel the energy and your orgasm actually circulate and keep it internally. And then you, when you do release and eventually you learn to release without orgasm, that it can be sort of a full body, like extending from your pelvic area, kind of more intense different kind of orgasm. Most intense, beautiful orgasm I've ever had was full body. And it was through that practice, like you said, the visualization, the breathing, the moving mm-hmm. that energy. Because you can move the energy. Wherever your attention goes, energy. pulls yes. up. And, and I mean, fellas, <laughs> you think you know orgasms until you go through this process. It is like fingers tingling and you're, you're you know, you're just, you know, that picture in the Sistine Chapel where God and man are touching fingers (laughs) is that moment. You're just like, and there's gold light everywhere. And it's just like, how do you, I love that you're saying this because like, I feel like men are like, I'm, sounds great. You lost me at can orgasm, can't, you know, can't ejaculate. ejaculate. You lost me, I'm out of the conversation, but it's possible. It's just, it's the building up of that energy, right? So, um, Edging is the word. Edging. Edging is the word. Edging work. is a great practice. And edging is the practice of, this is a great way to start. This practice is to masturbate. So let's say 10 is you ejaculated and one is like you're asleep or you're flaccid. Um, the practice of edging is just you masturbate until you get to about an eight, seven or eight on the arousal scale. And then you bring yourself back down to a four. And then you bring it back up again to an eight or nine. And you do that a few times. And then you're also starting your ejaculatory control. So you're starting to understand, this is great for men who are premature ejaculators, right? right? They get the practice and then they can learn to eventually like ejaculate. But this way they have more control over it. It allows men to build that muscle. Yeah, and building yeah. the muscle, exactly. Because this it, it's really important. A lot of men are preoccupied with like, am I lasting long enough? You mm-hmm. said, what, four to six minutes on average? Yeah, four to six. There's different, yeah, four to six, seven to, yeah, six to 12 people. There's different practice, different, like depends if they're alone or they're with a partner. But yeah, men just, it's like under 12 minutes, men are going to have an orgasm. And then if they're a premature ejaculator, uh, usually it's like a minute or less if they can't, you know, if they orgasm too much with a partner, or they orgasm too quickly with a partner. A, a lot of men go to their head and they're not even present because they don't want to prematurely ejaculate. Right. Another so whole, reason why that's we That's another come reason that they're disassociated during sex because all they're thinking about is like, you know, they're like great Aunt Margaret or something. Like, they're, right, right. Like, they're like, oh God, let me think of baseball. Right, exactly. <laughs> then you're not in your Baseball, mind. whatever it is. But like, you're not in the... And I actually, can a woman feel when a man is not present like that? I, well, that's a great question. I think the more you learn about sex, the more you... Now I know, like, if my partners are like... 
I can tell the second they leave the room, like, where'd you go? Like, because I, I can read uh. energy in it. But would I have known that, you know, years ago when I started having sex? I, I think I was probably in my head or I didn't know. But yeah, if you are, you know, a mindful, present person and you're attached to their energy, I think you, you would know when someone leaves, mm. disassociates. I think you can tell. Mm. You You talk about so much stuff. You really do. And and you and it's funny your expertise on all of this. Is there anything juicy that I'm missing or have we just wrung the towel? Uh, you're I think this is incredible. You've covered like so many of the great topics um effortlessly and in depth here. So let me think of what else. Um maybe just communication. A lot of what I talk about is communication. Yeah. So uh I don't know if we missed it, but just that I think and we talk about stress, trauma, and shame being big pleasure thieves, but I think also just the fact that we have so much shame around it, we know the practice of talking about it. So I have For a lot sure. of communication tips too that I give people about just like getting comfortable talking about sex. But this is a great way to start just hearing people talk about sex in a sex positive way. Um, so I have some great guides on my site too about how to communicate, how to have awkward conversations about sex. But I think we covered a lot of the... Uh, the big questions here. Awkward convos around sex is really important. And, and you have these tools on, on the website? I like- do. Like I have an awkward, I mean, timing, tone, and turf are my three T's for healthy communication and uh, for having any awkward conversation. And really that's just, and I have a guide on my site about it, um, healthy guides communication, but really just knowing that these are conversations you want to have. The timing needs to be when you're hanging out and you're chill and you're in a good place. You're not halt, hungry, angry, lonely, or tired. Ah, uh. Mm-hmm. You are not in any, you don't want to do it when you're defensive. And then the uh, tone is curious and compassionate and open. Like, hey, I realize that we haven't, you know, talked about our sex life. And I think we both want to be great lovers to each other. And that tone, and then the turf is outside the bedroom. So you don't want to have a conversation about sex in the bedroom. Like I right before. Right before, right after when something went wrong oh, or you didn't like yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's a, leave the bedroom for sleeping in for sex, but have the conversation like on date night when you're going for a ro- or even a road trip or on a walk with a partner because then it's still intimate, but maybe if it's awkward, you don't have to make eye contact, but you're still walking oh, along. Because it's really Smart. hard for people. Like that's keeping a lot of us from having great sex from just even talking but we're like, I'm so afraid that my partner's going to feel bad. I'm going right. to insult them. I'm going to feel bad. Mm. I just would rather suffer through bad sex. That's what most people make that choice. For years. For literally forever. For, people, for the whole marriage, for I the whole lifetime. I talk to people every day who are like, I've been married for 10 years and I've never had this conversation with my partner, but I'm having it with you, Emily, because I don't know what to do. So yeah, I mean, think about it. We do everything else with our partners, literally everything. Yeah. We talk about everything, but we won't talk about sex. So it's really important to understand that piece. That's that shame piece, man. We're so ashamed to just be like, hey, partner, I love you. I want to explore prostate stuff. <laughs> Oh, okay. I love you too. Let's explore it, <laughs> Let's right? Go. What's the worst that's going to happen? I want a divorce. Yeah. You know, uh-huh. like like we think. Well, that might be we terrible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, yeah, we go to the extreme without thinking. Our partner loves us. If they do so so deeply, we we can hold our partner through so much mm-hmm. and and be with them, and that's that's really important. So, hey, look, go. Everyone, go to the website. What's the website? It's sexwithemily.com. What's the podcast? Sex with Emily. Um, Social media, sex with Emily. Sex with Emily. Everywhere. You it's all sex it, with Emily. You branded everything. <laughs> you, you're going to open up the sex with Emily store. You got the online shop. We want the brick and water. I'm looking for the stamps of approval. Sex with Emily approved on all the toys We're and everything. This, it, of course. <laughs> this is, is, you know, like you, you got such a grip on this yeah. because it's, I can feel it coming out of your pores. It's your passion. It's your life purpose. And um, when you're in that purpose, you attract so many people and empower them. And this is what you're doing. And I feel it. And this conversation was so effortless and smooth because I felt it coming from your soul. You're so good at this. I love it. Thank Thank you so much for coming on the show. (laughs) This is great. You're welcome. 